Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Welcome into another episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. I'm Price Atkinson, and he is my man, Bill Rowland. As we are into November, hoop season has begun, and Bill... Veterans Day is this week, tomorrow, um, as we sit here record on Wednesday, November the 10th. Obviously, Veterans Day always falls on November the 11th. And, you know, it, without a doubt, before we go a step further, want to thank all our veterans um, who have served um, at home, abroad, wherever, that have given their service some the ultimate sacrifice for our country and not just our veterans those that are currently serving you know here at home and around the globe um you know as i always say freedom is is not free and and we know that and we are reminded of that sometimes um too often in tragic ways but it's a time where we you know pause tip our caps our proverbial caps to those who uh, america's finest is what i like to call our, our military so you know happy veterans day to to everybody that has served or is currently serving and you know i like to include also bill the families of those because you know it takes an army and so many people are affected when mom dad brother sister uh, whoever it is is away from home yeah i never had um my my dad was an army guy, but he was uh, in and out before I was around. Um, but he served. My my uh, half brother was a marine uh, for a number of years. I guess they say once a marine, always a marine. But he's not in the corps anymore. Um, and my mom worked for many many years uh, for the Department of Defense, so I was around it a lot. That was something that was talked about. Um, again, even though my dad didn't make a career out of it, uh, it was something that was talked about a lot when I was growing up. And I met a lot of those people, and and still have friends that are, are serving to this day. So, yeah, absolutely. This, this is one of those things that um, this time of the year, uh, obviously Memorial Day, you always kind of pause and, and, and take a, uh, a moment to reflect on it. And I know living up here in, in the D.C. area, it's, it's always, no matter how many times you go uh, to Arlington Cemetery, it's always very powerful to see those uh, gravestones all lined up. It doesn't matter if you are a colonel, a general, a private, they all get the, the headstones are all the same size. And that to me is always kind of shown that, you know what, it doesn't matter where you are. If you served, you are all equal. You are all the same. Yeah, so that's great. Not forgotten, 100%. So, listeners, think a veteran. If you see somebody out and about uh, wearing a, you know, so many places offer deals for our veterans and our nation's finest, you know, for meals all day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, different things. You know, I hope our veterans will get out and you see one of them out and about having, don't be afraid to go over there and stop and, and thank them, um, you know, for their service if they're wearing something that might signify. So. Yeah, buy them lunch. Heck, go ahead. If you can afford it, buy them a lunch. Whatever it is, I'm gonna be flying tomorrow, and I can assure you, if I'm if I got a decent seat on the plane, it's going to a service member. If I see them in uniform anywhere on my flight, they will they will move up. If if I'm fortunate to land something decent, but uh, you never know. But, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yep. Yeah, we got a lot to do, Bill Rowland, here is our second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy went down last weekend. Boy, what a game it was. Uh, We'll recap all the games from last week, including Navy at Notre Dame. 
Um, we will preview what's ahead this coming weekend, our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment um, that we will do, that we wrap up the podcast with every single week, that where we honor a fallen hero who is given the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so we will do that, but also really quickly, download, listen, subscribe, subscribe your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, wh- whatever it is uh, that you listen to podcasts on, just search Yards and Stripes. Um, it is easy to find just in that search feature and then hit that subscribe button because it will be delivered right to your smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever it is that you use to listen to us every single week. And certainly we thank you for doing so uh, as we are coming to you every single week throughout the college football season, Army, Navy, and Air Force. And that is what we do. Bill, let's get to it. What a game it was in Arlington, Texas. Overtime thriller army 21 air force 14 army now holds the fate of the commander-in-chief trophy in their hands they can win it outright obviously with a win over navy in the regular season finale Uh, the worst they can do is tie for it because if they lose to navy um, the tie they would retain the trophy since they won it last year so the trophy is not going anywhere. Right. But let's – the game itself, it was a game of two halves. I don't think there's any other way to describe it, Bill. I think it would be an understatement saying 0-0 at halftime, and then the fireworks began in the third quarter, and it was a heck of a second half in overtime if you watch this one, folks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and, and kind of what we expected in the, in the sense that these two teams know each other so well that neither one of them could get anything going on the ground all day long. And you're talking about two of the, the, the best – rushing teams uh, in, in college football. So it was interesting that all of a sudden they were like, okay, well, we're just going to have to throw the ball all over the field. And you wonder if these coaches now will go back and, and take a look at things. And, and, of course, they can't line up against a, a power five front and drop back and throw the ball as much as they did against each other. But you wonder if there isn't a little bit of going, hey, you know what, this this worked pretty well. Maybe we do need to throw more than five, six, seven times a game. I mean, Air Force, I thought, uh, did a, a really good job in the second half uh, through the air. And really, we've said it all year long with this team, it's just another one that got away. It's another one that they were dominating Army, and they gave up that one long touchdown pass, the 79-yarder, that, that it looked like that was going to break Air Force's back, that that was going to be it. You know, Army went up 14-3, to and, and, and points were at a premium at that point. But give Air Force credit, they came back, and then I thought they had the thing won when they were first and 10 at the 11 with about yep. two minutes to go, and that chop block put them back 15 yards. I But when they were on that drive, when – when Daniels converted that fourth and 10 with the unbelievable 13 yard run, that was to me, I was like, that's it. Play of the game. And we talk about it all the time. What's the, that was the play of the game and they get down there and then the chop block. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they're, I can't believe this happened to them again. They, they just had it right there. They were going to go in and win the game. And, but uh, credit to army because they stiffened up in, in, in the uh, overtime and, and got it done. Yeah. Yeah, that was the play of the game because, as you mentioned, you know, that uh, that fourth quarter, they get the game tying field goal with, what, 23 seconds left from 30 yards out. But, you know, a chop block and it was it was a block that that used to be legal. I mean, it just went right down at, you know, at his feet. And it, I mean, it was really unnecessary. Had Didn't he stayed need to on his feet and just engaged, you know, the um, the army defender. 
we're probably having a different conversation here because, you know, they're getting inside, you know, probably the five-yard line at that point. But, you know, first and 10 from the 11, they go rush, rush to the six. And then it's a pair of incomplete passes, game, set, match. There's no question about it that that, that penalty was the difference because the momentum, um, it was all in Air Force's favor. I mean, they were at 14 plays, I think, on the drive. Had to do it, obviously, quickly. Um but they were moving, and so that really the story of the game. Obviously, then we get to overtime. Um, you know, the two teams, they get into overtime. Army gets the ball first, and it was a game-saving play. as Christian Anderson going into the end zone, uh, but Jordan Law, the offensive tackle, the ball comes out. He falls on it. Army, the day is saved. They get the seven points, Bill. Um, and then it comes down to, uh, you know, to the Falcons, and they obviously need uh, a touchdown, and they can't get it. Yeah, and, and you go back even earlier in that fourth quarter, and it was remarkable to me. They had the fourth and one with about six minutes to go. They had a, a, a third and 15, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, how are they going to – got to get it in chunks. You're not going to get all 15 probably on one play. And they got 14 of the 15 yeah. and, and took the timeout. And then they come out, and it, I was stunned because Daniels was starting to play so well. And we had talked last week about he was going to be the factor for Air Force because he was the experienced quarterback and, and, and fumbles the snap. And then you see them go to the sideline and start practicing again. You know, Coach Calhoun has talked about it all along. The young offensive line. Guys that aren't used to playing with each other in a yeah. different center all the time. And for them to possibly lose that game on the center snap. And then he comes back and leads them down to the game tying field goal. I, I got to give him a lot of credit because in a game like that, forget just a regular game against, you know, San Diego State or whatever. But in a, a commander Chiefs game against Army and yeah. you blow a fourth and one on a bum snap. How do you get your head straightened back on to then lead them down the field for that field goal? So hats off to him for that. But, yeah, the overtime, the ball bounces in funny ways. Give Air Force a ton of credit for forcing that fumble yeah. and the Army guys being just right there to be like, okay, you know, to, to recognize and yep. and see it and get on it. So, And then Air Force, again, that's just a, that's just a tough blow. And they had been coming back so much to then have to get a touchdown – it was a tough ask. Yeah, and the, the false start, it was, we were talking early on the um, the chop block. It, false start was, you know, on that uh, the game-tying drive with the 30-yard field goal that Matthew DePore hit for Air Force. Right. When I said they got to the Army 11, rush, rush, and then two incomplete passes, that was in, in overtime. So I got a little yeah. too quick, a, a little too far ahead of myself, Bill. Uh, my apologies. But you mentioned, uh, I think this is interesting because, you know, like we're talking about, you know, the first half was almost kind of a feel, feel you out, if you will, um, you know, because it had halftime you know army was only sitting on 52 yards rushing and they finished the game uh, i mean it's incredible 43 times 108 yards that's the lowest yards uh per carry average since 2015 against duke uh, but they couldn't get anything going so what do you do you've thrown four passes in the first half uh air force had only thrown two they hadn't completed any but boy that's when the fireworks began because you knew you had to do something different at least to loosen up uh you know the defenses and boy what i i don't think i would have you know predicted exactly you know how that would have played out in terms of uh uh army completing eight of 13 and the falcons 13 to 23 and those 13 and they were 13 to 21 
in the second half. I mean, that's you don't even want that for a game. I mean, you know you're from playing from behind if that's the case, and certainly Air Force was playing from behind. Uh, Bahasi Daniels really jump started them, and I'm not going to take any away from Army because they had a couple big, you know, big hitters. Tyrell Robinson caught, you know, the 39 yard pass coming out of the locker room because that's really when it began. I mean, it started right when Army got the ball, Bill. Right uh, to start the second half, a 39 yard pass. Uh, from Tyhear Tyler to uh, Tyrell Robinson, and then Robinson, you know, on the nar- very next possession, catches the the big seventy nine yard big play touchdown that put Army up thirteen to three in the third quarter. Um, it was fireworks. But then after that, it was the Falcons that were coming back. But the way both quarterbacks, you know, kind of put their offenses on their arm, and they had to because the defenses we talked about last week. I mean, both these defenses are really solid defenses. Plus, you know exactly what's coming. You've got to mix it up, and that's what both offensive play callers did in the second half that was a fun second half to watch simply I like I don't mind a game being played in the phone booth Bill I just like seeing a little bit of I like seeing it mixed up you know and seeing some big hitters here and there yeah and I thought I thought they got creative I mean uh you know Air Force tried the the wide receiver pass that you know there were a mm-hmm. couple of trick plays in there and that's you know we had talked about that somebody was going to pull something out uh you know to try to to try to make something you know happen to get a big play down the field and uh the little wide receiver screen that they scored on for Army Probably something that they had never shown on film because mm-hmm. it's just they don't throw the ball that much. But, yeah, when you throw it 22, 23 times like Air Force did, man, that's like three or four weeks of pass attempts in one half, basically. So I, I hope they I hope they saw that, and, and I hope – I know that their – look, their identity is still going to be running the football, obviously. But yeah. I hope they saw that and decide down the road – that you know what we can let Daniels throw twelve to fifteen times in a ball game, and it might serve us well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, open open it up a little bit. Let's see what let's see what the kid can do. The twenty three pass attempts were the most by an Air Force offense in a single game since two thousand and nineteen. That's how many times they threw the ball uh, on Saturday. And, you know, the first neutral site meeting between the two teams since 1965. This game will go back to Arlington uh, and Globe Life Field again next year as Army will be the, the home team. But Army snapping the three-game losing streak and, and improves to 5-3. and three. Air Force now 6-3 and three as they're going to get ready for Colorado State this coming weekend. All right, Bill, our second game uh, of the weekend. The midshipmen going to South Bend. Uh, you know this is an annual showdown that Navy looks forward to every single year, uh, having having played so often. This is the 94th all-time meeting. And Notre Dame has now won nine of the last ten after they get a 34-6 win over the midshipmen. Uh, number 10 Notre Dame improves to 8-1. Navy falling to 2-7. and seven. In a game that kind of it was a little bit like we thought, Bill, that we thought might be fairly close going you know, to the the fourth quarter turning for home uh navy's defense came out playing strong um you know getting two punts and then a turnover on notre dame's first three possessions but the offense just simply couldn't get going yeah and and, and again that's what happens when you're going up against a, a top 10 
you know, team in the country in, in Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, it was, what, 17-6 to six going to the fourth quarter, and, and we said that's kind of where we thought it would be. It would, they would be within shouting distance as far as that um, that 21-point number that, that, that Notre Dame was favored by, and then it just got away from them at the mm. end. And, of course, you had the injury. Uh, Tyler Avatai went out early in this one, and it, for being behind, you know, it's funny. You, you look at um, – you know, Air Force and Army and how many times they threw the ball. Navy down 11 going into the fourth quarter, still only threw the ball three times the entire game. And and yeah. that's really, if they were going to have any chance of even making it interesting, they had to be able to do something through the air, and they just weren't capable of doing it. They ran the ball okay at times, but it's really, really tough when you're dealing with, again, a, a power five uh, defensive front, and, and that's what they yeah. ran into in, in Notre Dame. And Xavier Arline, who came off the bench after the uh, lava tie neck injury, uh, no word on his status moving forward. I mean, obviously Navy will be off this weekend. Uh, they will not be playing. But you know, Xavier Arline, I mean, he just can't throw the ball, Bill. Right. Uh, there's right. Uh, there, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. I mean, he just he just cannot throw the football. And then obviously when you're playing, uh, you know, a Power Five team like that, yeah, the way that they can get to the quarterback, we know how good their. Um, you know, their pass rushes, uh, and then also, uh, you know, their secondary is no slouch at all. It's just hard to get anything going. And then, of course, you know, their big guys up the middle, when you haven't played, I mean, and Xavier Arline has not played a lot this year and was very one-dimensional, one obviously, last year when he, you know, came in. And I, I just still have the mind that they've got to move him to another position. I mean, he's a great athlete. Um, I when you just cannot throw the football and you know that it's going to be run, whether it's run left, run up the middle, run right, I mean, it's easy to defend when you've got the, the, the horses that Notre Dame has, the big guys that can run like deer. There's just You just don't have many options in what you can do. And yeah, exactly. And that was the problem is the the offense we knew wasn't going to score a ton of points. And I thought again the defense held up pretty well. Now they didn't get uh, to Jack Cohen very often. Um, they did get him twice for sacks, but you know he had a lot of time back there to to sit and kind of pick them apart, which we expected a little bit. But I was impressed at how well the final numbers don't look great. You know for for. Kyron Williams as far as defensively because he averaged Mm -hmm. 5.6 a carry. But I thought there was a couple times he got free. Other than that, they did a pretty decent job on Mm -hmm. bottling him up. 17 carries, 97 yards. But he didn't pop any of those 30, 40-yard you know, hits that he has done. I mean, look, he buried Carolina the week before, and yeah. and Navy did a much better job on, on Williams than Carolina did. So, again, I think these kids were just exhausted by the time they got to the fourth quarter because they couldn't – they just couldn't stay on the field uh, long enough to get – you know, on offense long enough to give their defense a little bit of a break. So, not to turn this into the Notre Dame podcast or anything like that, but, I mean, they, they've got, uh, you know, they go on the road to UVA, uh, come back home against Georgia Tech, and then finish at Stanford. I mean, it's not the toughest schedule in the world that they have left. I mean, they're 8-1. and one. The lone loss, we all know, is to, to Cincinnati by, by 11 at home. I mean, you got to pray, obviously, that Cincinnati loses because you're clearly not going to jump them. Um but, uh, you know, a one-loss Notre Dame team, college football playoff, what do you think? Any it's, shot? It's very, very tempting. But you're right. If Cincinnati continues all the way through and doesn't lose, I don't know what the argument is to put Notre Dame above 
Cincinnati at that point. So yep. they've, they've got to hope that Cincinnati loses. And look, the Cincinnati hasn't been playing well the last few weeks. We've seen it. They've won games, but they haven't been impressive. Yep. But there's still no way that you can jump Notre Dame over them. You know that Georgia is going to be there even if they lose in the SEC title game. Um, and you know Alabama will be there if they end up winning the SEC title game over Georgia. So there's yep. two of the spots gone. And then, you know, you got to see what happens with Ohio State and, and the Big Ten, and that's kind of a jumbled mess over there as well. They've got a couple of teams that could win it that wouldn't then make the college football playoff. So some things need to happen for Notre Dame. They've still got a shot, and like you said, UVA, Georgia Tech, Stanford. I mean, you never know, but I imagine they're going to be at 11-1, and one and they'll be playing in a, a New Year's Eve, one of those one of the New Year's Eve six, they call it, or whatever, bowl yeah. games. But – They've got a shot, and that name means something. You know, Notre Dame at 11-1 means more than, you know, whatever, Caltech at 11-1. I mean, just it carries yeah. a different a different vibe. Well, Navy's going to have the weekend off again. Probably comes at a great time with the lava tie injury. I, you know, I'm kind of of the mind, if I'm, if I'm the Navy coaching staff, I may be looking to use this off week not to reinvent the wheel or anything, but, you know, maybe moving our line to, to another position, finding, you know, another guy to come in at quarterback. We don't know the status to lava tie for the East Carolina game. Um, you obviously want to work on the things that you do and concentrate, you know, really the first week, like most coaches do, um, you know, on yourself um but then maybe trying to switch it up because obviously uh postseason uh not really not going to be in the cards barring something crazy you know if you don't have enough bowl eligible teams you know but still east carolina and then back-to-back trips uh, to philadelphia to play at temple and then the army navy game um it's not a, it's not out of the question that you could finish you know with three straight wins to end the season but still going to be tough and i think the lava tie injury is, is certainly the thing to watch going forward bill and, and you look at it, Lavatai is only a sophomore, and I'm looking here at their kind of quarterback depth chart, the roster. There's a lot of lot of FRs next to this those names that are quarterbacks. So there's not a lot of there's not a lot of there's depth, but a lot of it is very, very young freshman depth. And that's gonna be a tough ask. I mean, I know we've talked about with R line, but I I don't know uh much about any of those other guys at all. If if they feel like if, if Coach Ken feels like any of them could step in if if Lavatai mm-hmm. can't go. So that's the only thing is at least our line has experience, even though he's not really a quarterback. He's a he's a slot backer, you know, running under center. Mm-hmm. But what do they have what else do they have? That's the big question. Is maybe some of these guys develop down the road in a couple of years, but right now can you trust him going into a game against East Carolina? I mean, it's, it is a tough ask. He's in a tough spot. They usually record, recruit a lot of quarterbacks because Paul Johnson told me a, a, a while ago, usually your quarterback in high school is is your best athlete on the team. Most right. of the time, it's the best one with the ball. And so it's not out of the question to see seven, eight, nine quarterbacks recruiting in the class where you know they're going to be moved, you know, if they're, whether they're going to the prep school or direct, um, you know, playing on, you know, you know, you know, offensive backfield, it's it slot back, um, you know, as a receiver, uh, defensive back. I mean, you just don't, you're typically going to find another home. But, you know, when you're trying to recruit, you know, good, smart players, kids with the, you know, good with the ball in their hands and maybe undersized, you're typically recruiting a lot of those guys. So anyway, Navy going to be off and we've got Army and we've got Air Force to preview their games coming up here in just a few minutes, Bill. Bill, we got to give out our game balls this week. Do you want to, you want to fire first or yeah. do you want me to go first? No, I'll go ahead and go 
first, and and obviously uh, a tough one for Navy, uh, only getting six points against Notre Dame, so really not a lot of options there. And then you get to the Army-Air Force game, and boy, there were a lot of guys that did a lot of good things. I mean, on the losing side, uh, Daniels was great at quarterback for Air Force. There are you know guys that you could pick from, from there, but I actually kind of went a little bit off the board maybe. I went with the sophomore wide receiver for Army, uh, Isaiah Alston. Four catches, 79 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but it seemed like every time they needed a big play to move the chains in the second half, he was the guy they were targeting. Now, they didn't get it to him every single time. He probably was targeted seven, eight times in this game and, and only had four catches, but they were big catches for them, and every single time they were dropping back, Christian Anderson was looking for Isaiah Alston, and more often than not, he was open and delivered. There was one, in fact, I want to say in the third quarter, he came across on a crossing route, and if Anderson had led him, it was going to the house because there was nobody else back there. I think he had beaten maybe Trey Bug on the, on the play. Just a little behind him, so he makes the catch. It's probably a 12, 13-yard gain, but you could see it. It was like, oh, boy, one more step, and that's to the house, and this game is a wrap. So I'm going to give it to Isaiah Alston, the sophomore. I thought he played really, really well on Saturday. Good call. I uh, I was kind of torn, Bill. I was uh, Army linebacker Andre Carter had a big day, uh, eight tackles, Huge seven solo, uh, two TFLs. You know, had a forced fumble and a pass breakup. But man, I just thought that the game saving play uh, was was Jordan Law, the offensive lineman for the sophomore uh, for the Black Knights, recovering Christian Anderson's fumble in the end zone because you don't recover that fumble. <laughs> Air Force gets it. All they got to do is kick one through the uprights and game set match. You know, we're having a different conversation. Uh, uh, in terms of what the Commander-in-Chief trophy and where that's going, because Air Force could have won it outright. Um, had they been able to get a stop, uh, a turnover, whatever it was, um, they obviously couldn't get it done. So, so Jordan Law pouncing on that fumble in the end zone. I mean, it was clearly, I don't, if I remember, there wasn't really anybody else around. It was, somebody was going to fall on it from Army, but it was lucky that he he was the one. Um, so that's my game ball because that was uh, the game saver. All right, Bill, we got some games to preview. We got the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment coming up. Again, thanks to all our veterans and also follow us on social media at Yards and Stripes on Twitter and on Facebook. We post a link to the episode every single week right there. Uh, so don't miss it. But Bill Rowland and I will be coming right back to look ahead at our two games that we've got this weekend and including a big one out in Colorado. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way, who help others with the help of others, who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org.
welcome back to Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Roland along with Price Atkinson. It's time to get to the games of the week. Only two of them as Navy has the week off until they take on ECU coming up on November 20th. So let's go ahead and start first with Bucknell facing Army as the Black Knights kind of go out of the FBC realm and take on a team from the FCS. And Price, this is one of those games that you look at it on the schedule and you kind of go, okay, uh, Army not really going to be challenged, I wouldn't imagine, this week. If they are, then they've got some serious problems because Bucknell has one win all year long, and it's against Cornell. And, and every other game, they've been pretty much uh, dominated by their opponent. I think they have one game of all their losses where they were even within a possession. I think that was against uh, maybe Old Dominion 29-21 or, or somewhere along in there. But not a great team in, in Bucknell this week. No, and if you're an Army season ticket holder or planning to uh, to spend the afternoon, uh, the next two Saturdays, you know, on the Hudson, uh, you know, I think you can probably – you know, go ahead and plan your halftime accordingly out at your tailgate in the car because uh, Bucknell and UMass, who they'll play the following week, uh, combine two and sixteen. So I think you can pretty much chalk up a, a pair of wins. You know, they could if, if Coach Munkin wants to rest his entire uh, offensive defensive line quarterbacks. I, I think you could probably get the student. You know, pull a few random cadets, maybe run them through a, a practice drill or two for a, a day. Uh, and they can go out there and get a couple wins these next two weeks because certainly these are not world beaters uh, at all um, as they get ready to play Bucknell. Bucknell, 1-8, uh, as you mentioned, 12 o'clock kickoff on CBS Sports. Their only win is is over Cornell. They've lost eight games, as I just mentioned. Only one of those has been within 10 points. That was a 29-21 loss to Georgetown. Seven of their other eight losses have been by three touchdowns or more. They're dead last in the Patriot League. I can't even find a line on this. I, I, I just know, you know, 100 to nothing is probably going to be about right at the end of the day on this. But. Yeah, I apologize. I said that one score game was against Old Dominion. I meant Georgetown out of the Patriot League. But, yeah, they just have not been a very good football team this year at all in Bucknell. And you're not going to find a line on this game because you usually don't get too many lines on, on FCS versus FBS. But Army could probably almost name the number in this one. And then, yeah, as you talked about, the following week, it's UMass, who's not a very good football team. And they get an interesting matchup, and we'll yep. talk about as we get there against Liberty. You almost wonder if that's almost a trap game for them coming up because the following week is the big one, and that's, of course, the Army-Navy game. So next couple of weeks, it'll be good for them. They can get rested. They can get ready. And then I'll be really interested to see how it goes against uh, against Liberty. And then, of course, They've got the Navy game coming up. But, yeah, this should be interesting. I I would actually like to see Army. They they should be able to beat Bucknell without throwing a pass. Yeah, I, would should, yes. I would love to see them actually throw about 12 to 15 times in this game. Do you know what? <laughs> Just to see if they can still do it. Christian Anderson, I want to see that on Saturday. Make it a little bit fun. Yes, get yourself a lead, and then see if you can open up the passing game a little bit. I think I think the fans up there at Mikey Stadium would love that. They'll love a win, but they're going to get it. It's just going to be a matter of how much, Bill. But it, what is that the line? Uh, pick a movie. There's nothing to see here, folks. That is pretty much going to be the story of the day, but you can't tell the CBS Sports Network people that because right. they'll have the game at 12 noon. 
All right, let's get over to the other one, Bill. Um, this is a game, uh, Air Force at Colorado State. The Ram Falcon Trophy is on the line. This is the 41st year of the Ram Falcon Trophy competition. A 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on CBS Sports Network. Air Force 6-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the Mountain West versus Colorado State 3-6 and six overall, 2-3 and three in the Mountain West. The Falcons, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Is that Ram Falcon Trophy on the line? A series that Air Force leads 25 to 15 since the trophy competition began. Air Force leads the overall series, all time meetings, 36, 21, and 1. Uh, this trophy bill was carved in 1980 by Bill Rag when Air Force joined the WAC. Do you remember the WAC? Mm, of course. When Air Force course. joined Colorado State in the WAC in 1980. So it's going to be on the line. And again, and this is a game I actually really like because. I went to that game several years ago. It was on Black Friday. Happened to be out in Colorado and saw it was a home game. Went to that game, and um, it was on Black Friday. Came down to uh, basically a, a kick for the win. It was Jim McElwain. If you remember when Jim McElwain had that really good Colorado State team before uh, he went, on, went off to uh, to Gainesville in the University of Florida. Uh, it was a heck of a ball game, one of the best games I've seen in person in a long time. But that Ram Falcon trophy on the line again. They were supposed to play last year, Bill, on Thanksgiving Day, but due to COVID, they snapped. They, they got rid of the game. It snapped the 42-game uh, straight uh, that they met going back to 1978. But they will be meeting um, in uh, um, Fort Collins this Saturday. Again, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite are the Falcons. Yeah, I think every single – Rivalry, if you want to call it, I guess this is a rivalry they've been playing long. It has some sort of trophy. I'd never heard of the Ram Falcon trophy. I'm sure it's pretty impressive. I'll have to look it up and see what it looks like. But, uh, you know, they just played for one a little bit more important last week in the Commander in Chief's trophy. But, yeah, I'm I'm sure a Ram Falcon trophy is is nice to have in your your pocket as well. So uh, this is going to be interesting because Colorado State is a very good defensive team especially against the pass. They're 24th in the nation against the pass. But does that matter against Air Force? And I mean, they threw for 200 yards last week through the air, but I don't know that they're going to try to throw for 200 against uh, against Colorado State this week. I still like Air Force in this spot, although, yeah. again, you have to think, is there going to be a little bit of a letdown after what happened against Army? Are they going to be able to, you know, get themselves refocused back on the slim chances that they could still win their division in the Mountain West. Certainly can't drop this game. The guy that they're going to have to worry about defensively, though, is something that we usually talk about the speed, right? It's the speed and those big athletes uh, Mm -hmm. on the outside of other teams. Well, Saturday, it's not going to be necessarily speed. It's going to be six foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds worth of a tight end named Trey McBride, who's averaging nearly a hundred yards receiving a game six times this year. Price six times he's gone over a hundred yards. Now, he's only found the end zone once. Which, yeah. if I've got a six four, two hundred and sixty pound target, I'm throwing to him in the red zone. So I don't know what's going on there as far as Colorado State goes. But he's going to be a load. He's going to be a problem. So keep an eye on that. If he's getting up there with 8, 9, 10 receptions and 120, 130 yards receiving on his own, it could be a long day for Air Force. He's going to be a tough guy to deal with. This this guy, we may be seeing him play on Sundays uh, once he graduates. Yeah, he was a All-American last year and, you know, obviously a COVID-shortened season. 
And you mentioned NFL. Well, he sits number 27 overall on Todd, Todd McShay's big board. Yeah, um, he's, he's a load. The, as the top tight end uh, prospect uh, in college football, 74 catches, 838 yards. Yeah, he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a load in the middle. Uh, as Steve Adazio, this is his first full season as the head coach. They got 33 seniors, fifth year true seniors or beyond on this team. Um, you know that returned all but one starter uh, from last year. Not that again, COVID season really doesn't mean a lot. But one of those guys, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, Bill, another team in the Mount West Conference that has a standout punter. Now, we know San Diego State's punter. I I won't be surprised if he goes in the top two rounds of the NFL draft with what that guy yeah, can he's do. he's a weapon. But senior Ryan Stonehouse for the Rams, he's a two-time All-American from 2018 and last year. The NCAA's all-time career leader in punt average at 47.5 yards a kick, three-time All-Mount West performer, Averaging 51 and a half yards a boot this year, Bill. This guy can flip the field. Yeah, and that's what happened to them against San Diego State is that their punter got off a couple of huge bombs when they had him backed up deep, and he unleashed a you know, 60, 70-yard punt, and it just kind of deflated Air Force and made things a lot tougher on them. I still think Air Force, again, two and a half isn't a lot of points, so this is almost like a pick em game. If they can get themselves back-focused, after what happened with the Army game, losing in overtime like they did, having that chop block late in the game, I still think they're good enough to take out Colorado State because what Colorado State does well doesn't match up with what Air Force does well. And again, I go back to the passing defense. If if Air Force was going to be throwing the ball over the field, then you go, okay, well, this is going to be one of those battles who wins that. But they're decent against the run, but it's not the strength of their defense. The strength of their defense is their secondary and their linebackers taking care of things in the passing game. All right. The Falcons and the Rams, again, 7 p.m. kickoff from Fort Collins. Uh, CBS Sports Network, Ram Falcon Trophy on the line. Another one of those mini regional rivalries. And obviously a Mountain West, I guess, rivalry too as both teams uh, – you know, scrapping and clawing there in the Mountain West still this season, Bill. All right, Bill, let's get away. When we come back, our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice, and then we will close it up here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. We're home for Service Academy football. I say it often here on the podcast how this is my favorite segment of the show in the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll, and it is. And having done this segment every single season and the way we wrap up every single podcast with this segment by remembering our fallen heroes, those who have given uh, the ultimate sacrifice, and certainly men and women uh, here at home all around the globe putting their lives on the line every single day for for us and for our freedoms. And, you know, it's the time to take the step back and not only say thank you and to remember them, uh, but also highlight that the work that their families uh, are doing to continue um, the service of character uh, of their fallen hero. And working with the Travis Mannion Foundation, who, as I just mentioned, you know, is, is certainly working to strengthen America's national character 
um, in these local communities all across the country through different uh, acts of service. You know, as we take the time to, you know, to remember our fallen heroes, we're going to remember a fallen hero today on this segment of the podcast, the TMF Honor Roll. And this one is, was a 33-year-old member of the United States Navy when he lost his life suddenly at home after retirement. DJ Jacorin and DJ Jacorin, a native of the Bronx, New York, as I mentioned, was just 33 years old when he suddenly passed away just four months after he retired from the Navy on September the 6th, 2014, uh, when he lost his life. And, you know, DJ Jacorin, he decided to join the Navy uh, so he could see the world uh, and travel the world on a on a naval vessel, an aircraft carrier. He was a master at arms in the United States Navy, and he was a father. Um, he was a husband, but he was also known as the Travis Manion Foundation helps tell his story uh, of taking his uh, love being a father, but love taking his kids to little free libraries in their neighborhood um, to read books. And he loved reading with his kids as, as he was born on Halloween. But the Travis Manion Foundation, they state that his top character strength was the love of learning as he's buried at Miramar National Cemetery uh, in San Diego, California. So, you know, it's these times where we take the step back to remember our heroes like J.K. Jacaron, you know, who may not have lost his life uh, serving, but certainly served our country, uh, which is equally just as important. Uh, unfortunately, um, lost his life just so suddenly um, once he returned home and had retired from his service in the United States Navy. But, you know, we never we never forget our fallen heroes, no matter what, no matter if it's one year, uh, one day, um, 10 years, 10 days, it doesn't matter. It's always important that we, we take this time to remember those heroes who, you know, keep us safe and you know, continue to pr- protect our freedoms across the country. And once again, you know, just thanks so much with the Travis Manion Foundation for their partnership again this season with our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll. You can learn a lot more about the Travis Manion Foundation, certainly online at travismanion.org. All right, wrapping up here on this episode of Yards and Stripes, and one quick note to pass along, Bill. You know, Navy and Notre Dame were supposed to play, what was it, last year in Dublin, Ireland. Well, that was scrapped. We all know COVID and changed a lot of plans for us all, but they announced uh, last week that the 2023 opener, that one will take place in Dublin as both Chet Gladchuk and Jack Swarbrink, the actor, the athletic directors for both schools, that it will be back at Aviva Stadium, the 96th meeting of that game, August the 26th, 2023, as the Irish will be the home team in that game. So that game will be going back overseas for the first time, Bill, since 2012. I know it was a bucket list for a lot of fans from both schools last year to go over and obviously see some football, but uh, make a trip over. And I think 2023, hopefully, Hopefully, we're certainly in the COVID clear by that point. Yeah, that would be a very cool event. And, and Ireland's kind of one of those countries. I, I'm with everybody else. It's kind of on my bucket list to go over there. So, you know, why not? Uh, 2023, maybe I have to start making the plans now to get over there, see the game, and, and, and check out Ireland. Also, I know we do a football podcast for the service academies, but we'd be mm-hmm. remiss if we didn't congratulate the Navy basketball team 
on a big win over number 25, Virginia, to open up their season. We won't talk a lot of basketball here, but when any of the service academies gets a win like that, I think you got to say congratulations to those guys. Well done. And, uh, again, anytime you go on the road to start at a top 25 team and you can steal a W and you're a service academy basketball team, Man, you, you, we got to say congratulations to them. So uh, a nice job by the Navy basketball team to start off the season. And congratulations to your George Mason Patriots as you're yes. the voice of the Patriots. So great job on starting that season on a winning note last night, Bill Rowland. Yeah, I didn't really have much to do with it, but uh, <laughs> it's always good. Congratulations, our new head coach, Kim English. He's the uh, third youngest coach in Division One at just 33 years old. So his, uh, his career is off to a 1-0 and start. Hopefully they can keep it going a couple more games this weekend. So, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Basketball season has officially tipped off, and we are barreling down the stretch of the college football season, Bill. Hope everybody enjoys the games this weekend. Think Army's going to route Bucknell, and I think that the Falcons will handle the Rams there in Colorado Springs. I think we're both in in full agreement there. So I think, Bill, we will do it again next week, man. Enjoy the games. uh, Enjoy your weekend, and enjoy some hoops, Bill. You got it. We'll do it again next week. All right, gang, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, Yards and Stripes. We are your home for Service Academy football. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.